We're called All Martha. We're from New Hampshire, and we are so happy to be here playing for you guys. Thank you very much for listening. This is awesome. Fix. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And we're here to talk about uh, Bonnaroo. So in a few short days uh, this weekend, Bonnaroo 2012 will be kicking off. And we've got a little show about, uh, about Bonnaroo, Sonic Bids, and uh, a couple bands that have, uh, well, one band actually and some other bands that we'll, we'll talk about. But, uh, but before we do that, we've got to do music news. Live music news. Live music news. That's what we always do. Right, I think we've kind of conditioned people. You know, we, we uh, experiment with uh, certain process addictions, and I think we've probably given people process process addiction. Well, what the heck is it? What is a process addiction? Do live music fans have process addictions? What do you What do you think, Kyle? We're kind of going off topic here. I don't care. Answer <laughs> the question. You're the you're, the, you're the psychological. Uh, well, you're the psychology in, professional. In short, it's an addiction to a process. Yeah. But can you get uh, is, is the live? Would you say the live music experience is full of process addictions or something like Bonnaroo? It's possible. Full of process I, mean, I don't addictions. know that we've done any studies on it, but um, I mean a it's lot possible. happens. A lot happens at Bonnaroo and these summer festivals. Sure, and right? some people get addicted to just being around all the crowds and yeah. the dancing and the substance use and I mean the whole environment. So, just being around people, right? Being around people. I love being, being around, around people. I mean, um, you know, I, I do think there are some photographers that are addicted to getting the next shot, the next best shot. So you can actually be addicted to taking I'm pictures. just saying, I'm just saying, I think that I've seen a few that uh, are a little overboard Yeah. with their picture taking. Interesting. Have you ever felt the need to reach out to them and, you know, kind of help them with their addiction? I've never felt that need. Have you ever, would you consider yourself addicted to taking pictures, concert pictures? No. No, no I don't. No, I mean, I think, no, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe we can talk about that on a different show, <laughs> but uh, we are talking about Bonnaroo, and we're talking about uh, bands uh, that have uh, you know, worked with uh, a, a music site, music discovery site, uh, a site uh, called Sonic Bids, that uh, fans can discover new fans, they can get gigs, uh, they can hook up with brands to kind of uh, market their music, market their, uh, you know, their live show, and all Basically that kind of stuff. Basically be seen. Yeah, you know, get, because it's got to be hard these days to start a band, start a garage band, per se, in your garage, right? Start a band. Where else would you start a garage friend, band? Well, I guess get some of your friends together uh-huh. and uh, try to you know become known, maybe not famous, but known, so that people enjoy, start to get to experience your music and enjoy it. Right. So this website is sort of a place where fans can l- see new music and where bands can market themselves and the fans get to choose because what we're going to be talking about today in this show is uh we're going to be talking with a band uh member of a band uh called aunt martha and uh one of the uh guys from the band actually he kind of heads it up uh, his name is tin nose and he's out of uh, out of the east coast out of uh, boston area i believe and uh he played bonnaroo a year ago and uh we got you know got in touch with he him actually and, got picked to play bonnaroo right he uh, signed up on Sonic Bids, got the band up there, and uh, was part of a contest. So every year, Sonic Bids runs a contest where bands get to, uh, you know, play their music and let fans choose. And the top 
two or three bands. Uh, in this case, I think there was like ten bands, ten Sonic Big bands that got that got picked and played Bonnaroo last year, and that was the. It turns out that that was the biggest show that uh, Aunt Martha had played. So we caught up with them. We talked to them a little bit about that. Say, you know, a year later, where are you guys? Where is the? Uh, you know, how big of a deal? How big of a stage? You know, how big of an impact did? playing Bonnaroo have on your career so and ultimately Sonic Bids yeah the website yep we've also talked with Sonic Bids so we're, we're going to be talking with Darlene Doyle she's the vice president of uh, marketing communications and she also has a very interesting background and has a equally interesting uh, view on live music so um, we you know I think this year every show will probably mention something about a hologram because I think that's just that's going to be our theme we have the obligatory uh, you know hologram mentioned every show so i'm blown away i'm fascinated by this i think the hologram is going to be a big part of a lot the future of live music whether we want to or not and i think most fans are excited about it i'm excited about it because i think it's gonna it's gonna get us into a different spot so i you know her and i uh darlene and i we talked about uh, some of uh her wishes and uh dreams of uh, a hologram performance with a, with a certain artist so Lots of great stuff. Uh, so we're going to get a little bit of background on uh, Sonic Bids, but before we get into that, Colleen, you mentioned we got some music news. We've got some news, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's like my favorite part of the show. Yeah. So, um, the, <laughs> is your favorite, it's your favorite, your favorite part of the show? Yeah. Is it music news? Oh, that's awesome. So we're going to... I feel like I'm updated on what's going on in the world of, of live music. Excellent. After... We talk about the stories. Excellent. You know, there's some, uh, there's a little Guinness Book of World Records going around. You know, we, uh, last show we talked about Jack White attempting his uh, longest string of metaphors um, in a concert at one time. So he's in the process now. Uh, he just, you know, they just played a Hangout Festival. I think they kicked it off down there. So we've been keeping an eye on Mr. Jack White. And shortly after his Guinness work, you know, Book of World Records attempt, uh, our friend from uh, the Flaming Lips, so Wayne Cohn has uh, embarked on his own um, trying to dethrone Jay-Z from the uh, most concerts played in a 24-hour period. You know, of course... Um, How many did Jay-Z play? I think he did six. And Wayne Cohn is looking to accomplish... Uh, he actually I, I flew around to beat that record. I mean, yeah. he wasn't joking around. He was flying in different states, and we, had, we actually got a chance to see... We actually saw that, yeah. We saw a, him setting up at the Riv in Chicago during that It really tour. kind pretty, of like an impulsive concert in Chicago, yeah. which no one knew about, and yeah. they just kind of opened the doors to the first... Yeah. I mean, there wasn't even tickets sold. No, you just come in. Yeah. yeah so but we, we actually got to see that. them... Um, set it up and then take it down yeah yeah we didn't realize what we were seeing until later on yeah we didn't know we were part of a little history there so uh when i saw this you know doing odd things like this is not a uh it's, it's not first thing so if you remember we've we've reported uh on this before we've kind of done an experiment with the flaming lips so wayne Cohn has a fantastic history of doing some very experimental things that um you know are, are extremely interesting so what he did at south by southwest uh in 1987 um, he took the band and did a, um, well, 19, uh, 1987, um, yeah, anyways, there was a, a South by Southwest, I think 95 or something like that. Uh, he got uh, a whole bunch of cars and bands, uh, and, and got the fans, uh, not the bands, he got all the fans together in, uh, in, in a, called the parking lot experiment. 
uh, famous thing that he did, and he wanted to have everybody play their uh, stereos in their cars to a, uh, you know, to the tune, and he would orchestrate, and he would tell people, you know, what to play and how to play it based off of their stereos. So, of course, nobody died from car fumes, thankfully, but um, he successfully did it, and it's, you know, another thing, and here we are in uh, 2012, and he wants to outdo Jay-Z, so... I hope he. I hope he gets it. Uh, and we'll keep you updated you know. if he did it or not. Yeah, we're gonna follow this thing. I mean, this is this is some good, some good stuff. So, you know, speaking of speaking of first, you know, we're gonna be talking about bands and bands like Aunt Martha who are playing on the biggest stages of their lives for the first time. Something like Bonnaroo, but you know, Bonnaroo is not a place where just bands embark on first things, or you know, come together for the first time. Fans actually go to Bonnaroo to get married, right? So last year there yeah, was a couple that got Yeah, quite a few people uh, are starting to do this more and more. It's pretty common. These festivals is get married. It's pretty cool. I know. I know. It's kind of an interesting place. You know, I you don't get, know, though, if I'd want to get married at a, at a music Why festival. Why would you want to get married at why? Why I don't not? know if I, I want all these strangers there, huh. random people. Would you want to rededicate our vows together? Um, at, a, a, at a live music <laughs> at event? At a festival, yeah. Um, no. No? I don't, I don't think that's quite my style. No. These are people that you're sharing. I mean, the, the live music experience is a pretty sacred event. Why not do it? You know, marriage is a sacred event. You know, you're you're communing with. I guess I would with, do with strangers it in a sacred event. Why not do marriage? I would do it if the I person mean, what, who what, what married me was like a famous musician. You so you'd want a famous musician on to, stage to 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 do the vows again. I may yes, <laughs> yes. Who would it be? That's a great question. I don't know. Would it have to be a hologram? It would not be a hologram. Or you want a real person? It would be a real person. Okay. Maybe Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg? As a hologram? No. Giving your vows? No, not as a hologram. Just do Oh, our... if he came back. Yeah. Snoop Dogg? Oh, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. I'm thinking Tupac. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Snoop Dogg. Sorry. Or, or maybe like Ani DeFranco. I'm obsessed with this Tupac or, thing. Or this... You know, someone that I, I really kind of had liked. You know, someone I liked. Someone what I was about one of the Living Dead? The guys, some of the, uh, Maybe. the dead who's still Maybe. alive. Maybe I, I definitely Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. I wouldn't mind. You want Bob, Bob Dylan or his son? Dylan? Actually, I would. I would take either. I, th- I thought, I, I, if I remember correctly, Bob Dylan was. I think he was an ordained minister. Didn't he get ordained? I thought it's he possible. Did. You know. So he could, you know, then I'd be willing to. But, but other than that, I Live. don't think. At, at a concert, Bob Dylan doing, doing our our wedding vows over again. Yeah. And I would do that. Saying, yeah. So there's a lot, of, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of cool things. So we're going to keep this going. And uh, we've been trying to track down this couple who got married at Bonnaroo last year. So stay tuned for that because we're going to – we want to make sure that we can uh, kind of tell their story because it's, uh, it's always interesting. There's a lot of great, happy things that happen at Bonnaroo, some sad things that go on too. You know, you know obviously there's always one or two reports that come out, you know, people – ODN or you know things things going on so it's always kind of this inter- interesting dynamic you know people having uh, really happy things going on and then real sad things going on and then kind of things all all in the middle so live music experience is always kind of an interesting thing to you know when the emotions are uh, are involved so Bob Dylan wow really be kind of interesting I have to think about that pretty cool so what we've got then is, uh, you know, we've been we've been doing this uh, battle of the bands. So about a year ago, you know, we looked we looked at having, uh, you know, some bands uh, on the show, and we talked to well, one of the bands, uh, you know, the uh, um, from South by Southwest. There, they wanted to know, 
come on the, the show. Antlers? Uh, not the Antlers, but uh, it was uh, totally blanking on their name. But anyways, they were the first band to come on the show and kind of talk to us about Battle of the Bands because they, they won uh, one of the other uh, you know, shows that uh, we did about this. And it's really kind of interesting because what does the... What does a battle of the bands do for a band? You know, do the brands benefit because they get to, you know, kind of bring in the music and then benefit because the fans, the audiences are, you know, are there? Is it just a marketing thing? Is it the benefit? So what I like about what Sonic Bids does is that, you know, there's some interesting info that we're going to share on the uh, on the back end of uh, of this, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the two interviews. And then when we come back, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more about how Sonic Bids goes in and does you know, a little bit more than, um, you know, just giving bands a platform, you know, they kind of give back. So some cool, some it seems cool like stuff. a lot of famous musicians started out doing battle of the bands. A mm-hmm. lot of them. I mean, it just seems like, you know, you hear like a lot, even the, um, punk scenes and things like that, or even the rappers that started out like competing against each other. And that was pretty big for a lot of people's, you know, early careers. Right. I think, I think it's good. I mean, I think it shows competition. It, it pushes the bands to get better. You think the band, you think the fans benefit from that? They get a better performance when there's competition absolutely. involved, or when it's more free. When there's voting from ha- the fans, mm-hmm. absolutely. Hmm. You know, when there's voting, there's shows and things like that where they're voting for people. I think they put on their best performance. Cool. We're gonna come back and we'll uh, we'll see what they have to say. So here is Aunt Martha, and then uh, right after that will be uh, Darlene from uh, Sonic Bits. We'll go over some stats. So it's, it's almost actually almost a year since you guys played at uh, uh, at Bonnaroo. So how is how how is it one year later, and how is the band? Uh, you know, what did you guys you know learn from from playing and and uh, you know since uh, you know touring uh, since then? Yeah, I mean, man, that went by really quick. Huh? It is a year. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Bonnaroo was great, um, and I think. That the the experience itself was like a, a fantastic few days and then kind of just what we've what we've kind of taken away from 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 playing that festival it's just kind of like uh you know to say you've played a bonner is such like a uh is such a, a stamp of approval so i think it's really helped us um you know land some decent tours and um it's just kind of you know, turned us into a relatively credible band. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we weren't. Maybe we weren't uh, at this time last year. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed your. Uh, you have a documentary that you made, and it looks like you're based off of that uh, the JBTV interview you did. Uh, it looks like your brother makes the videos for for the band. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's a huge, huge part of the band. I'm lucky to. Uh, Lucky to have him uh, helping out with the video stuff. That's what he does for his his living. So he kind of just helps us helps us out when he's got free time. Yeah, yeah. So he did he do the uh, help you with that documentary? Yeah, that was all him. He came up uh, for a couple days. I was doing some recording up in Maine, and uh, yeah, he just showed up and you know just you know put that thing together in like ten seconds. He's he's kind of like a one of those weird like super genius kids. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that because it was uh, one of the things that you mentioned in there, and just, just kind of the whole feel of uh, of that, um, 
uh, you know, really intimate. You said you were there at like 2.30 in the morning, just you, you know, the microphone, you know, garage band uh, on the lake, you know, stuff like that. I just thought that was a really interesting place to, you know, to record. And then, you know, kind of thinking in terms of how, you know, transitioning from that kind of setting, that intimate, you know, setting to playing at a, playing at a live show, you know, and kind of, taking that intimacy and putting it on the stage or just, you know, struggling with going from studio to, you know, to the live show. Um, what's, what's that like for you? How do you, how do you translate, you know, that 2.30 AM feeling to, you know, a scene to, you know, to the live show? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's a challenge that, you know, that any band is going to, is going to deal with. For me, I mean, I, I don't, our live show um, is is a lot different than um, our our kind of more um, stripped down, intimate recordings. We we play a much bigger, much bigger sounding show, um, which I you know I think can be really great because I think it, it brings out those songs in a in a different light and just you know makes for a more energetic uh, energetic show and what I think is like a better experience for the audience but you know you also run the risk of people who are expecting to hear um you know really quiet songs and then you know they can be a little turned off when it's a much bigger production but you know it's part of the deal have you heard that from some of the fans or you know would they uh tweet about that or they talk to you afterwards or send you notes you know on on that or I mean, I think it's it's like it's mostly positive. Like the vast majority of people really like the the way that we play live. But you know, occasionally, like you know, we have a couple of songs. Like we have this song called "Blue Buildings," which is kind of like a real like you know, a little kind of pretty, uh, just a pretty quiet like song. Um, and when we do it live, it's like a big, it's a big kind of epic sounding. We close with it a lot, and I think some people are like, "Wait a minute, I want to hear, mm. I want to hear the blue buildings that you know I have on my headphones." Um, but most people really, really like the way that we do it. Is there is there a reason why you you have uh, two versions of that song? Is just uh, is there a particular reason for that? Is there a reason why we play it differently? Yeah, two, yeah, two different two different versions of that, or yeah. Well, I mean, when I did the recording was just me, so. Uh, that whole album is just, uh, the album's called Norway, Norway Man, and, uh, you know, I play all the instruments and, uh, and do, you know, all of the, the harmonies and, you know, it's kind of like a, a much more personal project, and the fact is, like, I'm not, I'm a guitar player, and, and, uh, you know, I can play other instruments, but I would not consider myself a bass player or a, or a synth player by any means, so when the band gets together, it's just, it's just different than that, you know, we have a, we have a real, you know, fantastic drummer and a really, you know, solid guitar player, key player, you know, so it's just going to, it's going to sound different for that alone. Yeah, it's uh, interesting too. You know, talking with other bands, you know, they they often say they often paint this um, this idea of uh, you know when you write a song in the studio, that's kind of the birth of the song. You know, it's like a little like a baby when it gets born, and then the, you know as you go on tour, the you know the song matures and it becomes you know you start to kind of feel it out a little bit more and it grows and you take it in different directions and it kind of matures. Um, is is, yeah. is, that, is that kind of how it's uh, how it would be for for you guys? I know you guys have a new. Uh, uh, you know, a 
a new album and you've probably you know, been touring for the last year and you know has have you guys experienced that with some of the uh, old songs and some of the new stuff yeah i think that's i think that's well said um i think especially if you're if you're doing uh home if you're doing home recordings which is something i've been getting into over the past year really since bonnaroo um i definitely agree with that it's like what you come up with by yourself and put on tape is you know just kind of like the infant version of the song and then when you play it on the road and everyone kind of gets a chance to throw their two cents in there and and kind of you know has their own take on how the song should sound you really see where it goes you know uh, so yeah i think that's right on yeah great great so, uh, are there any like, specific songs that uh, that have stood out that you know you started in the studio with this version, and then you know touring, it's just it's grown and developed into a song that maybe surprised you, or or that you hoped it would you know go in that direction? Any any specific songs that kind of stand out? Yeah. Uh, I think most of the songs that we play off that most recent record, the Norway record, have all kind of taken on a left of their own. Um, so much so that I'm honestly looking forward to, to recording a couple of them again with with the full band. We, we're uh, we're going to get in the studio next month, and we have plenty of new, it's like fresh material, but I kind of feel like some of the songs deserve to be recorded with everyone you know, with everyone bringing their own influences uh, to each song. Uh, but we have a song called Vows that's kind of expanded quite a bit, and our, our song Starter um, is the first song on that record, and I just feel like it's it's way bigger and better with, with the full band. You know, cause there's only so much that... Uh, that one, that one guy can bring to the table. So it's been fun to, to play it with with everyone, you know. Great, great. How is the, uh, you know, you do a lot of the recording on your own in the studio, and then, you know, you get together with the band, and you kind of, you know, let the chemistry take the, you know, the songs in different directions. What What is the, what's the band chemistry like, you know, and how do, how do you guys, um, you know, when you get together, uh, what's, what's it like to, uh, you know, build out the songs and then, you know, play them live on stage? How do you, how do you, what's it like on stage for you guys? pretty well i think everyone kind of has a has a good understanding of, of their role at this point um you know uh, i kind of do you know i write the i write the songs and, and then do and then do like a basic recording whether it's a demo or whether it's a little more produced and then everyone gets a chance to, to kind of shape the song if they see fit and you kind of as a songwriter i feel like you have to be willing to like let the song go a little bit and understand that uh, you know people are going to see it in different ways and if you get if you get too caught up in how you you think a song should be played I think sometimes it can suffer hmm. um, and you know everyone everyone kind of has to trust each other's uh, each other's judgment you know and understand that you know my opinion is you know what I bring to this song is as a singer the guitar player is going to you know, bring something great in his own right. Um, so yeah, we've got a pretty good system right now that, that I think is working well. Uh, but you know, it is it's part of the deal. But you know, a band is a band. Like everyone, everyone is going to be. Everyone needs to be heard. Or else it would be a uh, it would be a solo thing. You know. <laughs> right, right, right. What, what are what are 
are some of the things that you guys struggle with on stage, you know, where, where you got, you know, or maybe some areas where you guys have, you know, you've really grown in, in kind of gelling together on stage? You know, that's another good question. Um, we're getting, we're just becoming a better band, honestly. Like, uh, I think our biggest issue um, for for a while there is we just hadn't played a ton of shows. We're uh, we like we kind of formed this band and then just started started touring pretty much right away. And I think we were I think our live show was was pretty inconsistent for for time there. I think we could we could play really well and really really put on a, a show and then the next night you know just things would be off but I think that comes from just lots of shows you know mm-hmm. um, so in this past year it's been you know pretty relentless touring and the more you do it the more comfortable you get and, and I think we've become a much more consistent uh, live at uh, what, what are some of your favorite shows you know uh, growing up or recent you know I guess you know some of your first concerts and how how those experiences influenced how you perform live I mean my, my taste has changed quite a bit over the years um, and the the shows that I would go to in high school for example I probably wouldn't go to now but that's not to say they didn't that's not to say they weren't important um, and those that was really when I started getting into live music I um, but uh, the shows that are popping off at the top of my head, you, you know, you, you go to those those shows and you're just like, wow, that was. You just leave and you feel like affected, like you feel like you know, just you like emotionally drained based on what you just experienced. Hmm. That doesn't happen very often, but uh, I saw um, most recently Delta Spirit, which is a, one of my favorite bands. I saw. Um, and they just put on such a great show. And, and the, the singer in particular, I just feel like it's such a great man and just commands an audience and just really impressive way. So I remember leaving that show and thinking, wow, that is, that's a band. Like, that's how you, that's how you play a show. What, what uh, was it about them that, uh, that just totally amazed you? Was there some, what, 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 you know, they, what was it? They just, like, uh, they just seem so genuine. Like, it doesn't, really hard to be to be genuine on stage because you are in front of people and it's easy to be self-conscious and or at least self-aware and it just seems like they just play and they're having a blast and you know it just seems like it comes so naturally to them that show in particular was, was interesting too i saw that show in boss and the, the singer uh that that that's they're playing one of my favorite songs the song bushwick blues and I don't know, Boston is like, can be a pretty difficult live music town, and this fight breaks out in like the second row, these two guys start swinging at each other, and he somehow like kept playing, the band kept playing, and, and the singer broke up the fight and then finished the song. It was just like, it was something, you know? Wow. That was cool. Not to harp on that one show, but yeah, that was a good one. Wow, so that was all in one one show then. So you were amazed at the band, and then you know that little scene happened, and then you just walked away. Just like you said, uh, it's kind of cool. You mentioned that you know emotionally drained and and inspired at the same time, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's an experience, you know. It's it's like a, it's an active experience. You're not just going to listen to music. It's like you leave and you feel like you know a connection with the band and the audience. And, 
you know, a great, I just feel like a great live show can be like a really powerful experience. Great, great. Now, when you, uh, you know, when you guys played at Bonnaroo, you know, and you played some other shows, you know, since then, um, you know, what, you know, do you think about those things, you know, as a, as a fan while you're, while you're playing and, you know, what, what kind of goes through your mind, you know, when you're, when you're playing on stage? I just try to I I just try to do what I do. Um, I think it's I you know I just try to kind of it sounds cliche but just be myself and I think that the rest of the band is the same way. I think you get in trouble when you try to when you try to be a particular kind of band. You know um, you know we're we're different than our favorite bands. Like we're we're not Delta Spirit and we're not My Morning Jacket and. That's okay. So I think we try to, we just try to do what we do. And I think if the audience understands that we're genuine and we're playing our songs in the way that we want to play them, you know, I think I think that's where you get a connection. It's where you like force yourself to do something different is when people can kind of see that it's more of like an, an act, you know. Mm-hmm. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, I, I've I've definitely felt that before at a you know at a show where the band is trying to uh, you know force something. It's not natural. I think those those are the times when you when you walk away and you you know you feel you gotta kind of got uh, you know gypped as a fan, you know, and you, you yeah, you know. absolutely. And I think that's that's another thing you just learn being in a band for a while is you know if you play enough shows, you you kind of realize like who you are as a as a performer, and and you just kind of gotta go with it, you know. Yeah, so uh, so it sounds like you you, you know you you definitely have a uh, kind of a family element that's kind of integrated into your band with your brother doing uh, you know some of the, uh, the you know, doing the videos and, and things like that. So uh, what are some of the things you guys talk about you know after after a show? I, I assume he's probably seen you guys live you know and helped you know film some of some of those things. What uh what are some of the, your conversations with between you and your brother you know uh, about live music? You know, he's, uh, I mean, he's probably seen the band uh, more than a hundred times at this point. Um, but he is, uh, he's great, man. He's like, he's a very honest person and he's always positive. Um, and sometimes, you know, you need that. Um, but if I ask him for, you know, critiques or if I ask him for, for advice, he's, you know, he's happy to give it and not afraid to, um, you know, not afraid to offend anyone, which I think is, which I think is good, because, you know, how do you get better as a musician if you're not learning from your mistakes? Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy, and, and, you know, there's so much that goes beyond just the music, um, being a band, like, obviously you need to be, you need to have good songs and be, um, you know, and put on a good show, um, but there's plenty else that goes into being successful and, and and it's just it's nice to have people on your team whether they're brothers or not who are willing to help you out because they believe in you and believe in the music you know yeah yeah it's that's uh definitely you know definitely start especially when you're you know when you're first starting out and, and getting getting the fans together and you know getting the band and you know figuring that stuff out you know the family plays a you know it can't pay you know a big role you know in that oh it's huge you know? it's absolutely i think like I imagine there's plenty of bands that don't don't get off the ground because they don't have, you know, their family behind them. That's that's huge. Really important. 
this is a really transformative time, you know, for, for music and bands and especially with the live show. I mean, the, you know, the live show has never been more important than it is today, you know, and, uh, you know, whether it's selling records or, you know, you know, the money side of, of uh, live music, but even more just that experience, you know, people want to go to shows, even, even when, you know, money's tight with people, it's just live music is still, uh, something that people will give their hard earned money for, you know, or fight to, you know, work that into their budget. You know, it's always an interesting topic to, to look at, but, um, as a band, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of other bands out there, but it's an exciting time, whether, whether or not you're, you know, well known yeah. or, or, you know, working up the ranks, you know? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, yeah, it can be a little bit like nerve wracking that, you know, so many, so many like elements of the music industry are like falling apart, but it seems like, you know, live shows are always going to be there. Like that's one thing that isn't going anywhere. And you're right. Like there are so many bands now that are, that are visible with the internet. It's like, you better, you better play well live, you know, like you can't be mediocre live because that's really what everything is built upon at this point, you know? Yeah. Which is cool. Like that's how it should be. You should you should have to play a good live show, you know? Well Darlene, thank you very much for uh for joining us, great to great to have you on the show, and uh, great to have uh, somebody from Sonic Bids uh, uh, join us on the show here. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so you guys have a uh, uh, we've uh, you know we're familiar with you guys and in, in different uh, bands. Like we were mentioned earlier, you guys have done uh, you know some involvement with some other uh, other bands before, other programs. Uh, tell tell me a little about what you guys do with Sonic Bids and you know, how you all guys uh, how you got started. Sure. So uh, Sonic Bids is a social music marketing platform that connects bands, music promoters, consumer brands, and fans. And um, the company was started with the mission. It was started by our CEO and, and founder, Panos Panay. Um, and it was started with the, the mission of um, helping any band from any, anywhere in the world, any genre of music, um, connect with any kind of music promoter. So, you know, the feeling is there's great music everywhere, and we're trying to make that connection on our platform to connect the bands and the music promoters. Great, great. So what, do, what have you guys learned over the years? I mean, uh, you guys have been a long, you know, around for, uh, you know, for a while. You know, I can admit, you know, especially with the, with the Internet as, as much as it's, it's grown and become such a big part of the uh, music experience and, and, and now the live music experience, right? You can, you know, you can experience a band. You know, I was talking with Aunt Martha about this earlier is that you can, you know, experience a band long before you actually see them live in person. So how, how have you guys, uh, what have you learned the most, you know, in evolving with the internet and, you know, with, uh, with the music industry? Um, so, so probably the biggest thing, and also a, a lot around the catalyst to the start of the company was just how much um, the internet leveled the playing field for artists. Um, so, you know, it used to be that, you know, you would have to have a label to, to actually get recognition and actually become visible. And, you know, the last 10 years that that's pretty much that model has gone away, not totally, but it's evolved a lot because 
artists can pretty much start their own careers and you know create their own music and distribute their music um, all with their own you know their own tools, including sonic bids. So um, that's been a huge evolution. Um, but we do you know we'll, we'll say this all the time is that you know nothing really changes about the live experience. You know the the way you distribute make your music and distribute your music might change, but replacing the live experience it will probably never really happen. You know nothing really compares to that live music experience. Yeah, were there any specific live music experiences that uh, that influenced you know the evolution of of Sonic Bids and and how you guys go about you know giving uh, bands the you know or fans the opportunity to uh, you know discover the bands online. Um, probably the biggest shift that we've seen over the last couple of years is um, we've started working with a lot more consumer brands, brands like. Um, Red Bull and Converse and Diesel and all kinds of um, brands that put a lot of their you know marketing muscle and money behind music, um, and that's been a real big opportunity as we see uh, record labels waning. A lot of consumer brands have kind of stepped in and played that role of arts patrons for for artists. So we you know we work with a lot more of these brands who um, want to use emerging music as part of their marketing campaigns. Um, so that's been a big shift. Hmm. Now you guys have partnered with, uh, you know, several festivals and, uh, specifically, you know, the one that, uh, we, we're, we'll talk about it, you know, is Bonnaroo and how, um, you guys have, uh, you know, allowed bands to kind of get that, to get to that next rung, that next, uh, you know, level of notoriety and things like that. So how did the partnership come about with Bonnaroo and, and what's it been like to, uh, you know, to partner with them and, and some of the other bands? Sure. So um, the Bonnaroo Partnership for us started last year. Um, we sponsored a stage at Bonnaroo for 10 emerging bands to play the festival. So, uh, you know, we wanted to create a, an opportunity for more emerging artists to actually play the stages there. So um, what we did is uh, the way last year's worked is that we had eight bands who were, who were selected through the regular curation process from Bonnaroo. So they applied through Sonic Bids, um, submitted their EPKs, Bonnaroo reviewed, and then selected the bands that they wanted to play. Uh, but we opened up an opportunity for two bands, uh, two additional bands, um, to actually be voted in by their fans. So we created this kind of microsite. It was, oh, excuse me, actually it was a Facebook app. Um, and it sat on, on Bonnaroo's Facebook page. And, and this is the same thing we did this year as well, actually. Um, so the app sat on Bonnaroo's Facebook page and it allowed people to come in like Bonnaroo um, and then vote for the band that they wanted to get one of those final two slots on the stages. So um, I think last year we drove, God, I think almost 57,000 likes in the course of 10 days, I think, mm. um, you know, activating our bands, activated a ton of their fans to actually uh, get their their slot. So it went from 10 bands down to um, the final two bands were selected from Bonnaroo, but the fans actually, you know, cut that list down to their top 10 and then Bonnaroo picked the final two. Um, and this year we actually saw 11 bands get to the stages. So we'll see 11 bands playing Bonnaroo this year who applied through Sonic Bids. Hmm. Wow. So one of the interesting things about, you know, the, uh, some of the stuff you guys do, you know, is, uh, you give, you know, you put the voting and you put the power in the, you know, in the, uh, the clicks and the, you know, the hands of the fans, um, and then, there, you know, there's like different points along the way. You know, the fans have the power here. You know, they have, you know, they can go see the band and things like that. What do you guys do or what are some of the challenges that kind of keep fans engaged at each part of the process, you know, and, and what, um, 
you know, and, and then when it comes to the live music experience, what, what sort of things do you guys do to kind of close that loop, you know, and, and, you know, make it even more, you know, not just a voting experience, but a whole, you know, interactive, you know, really engaged experience for the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is it's uh, content that evolves over the course of time. So the first time you might be voting and you might get a free download from the band. Um, the second time you might actually see videos of their live performances. The next time you might there might be a ticket giveaway. Like we, we actually did ticket giveaways for Bonnaroo this year for our fans who voted. So we try to come up with you know compelling content and, and access that they wouldn't otherwise have. And that's how the programs grow. Um, and as I mentioned before, when I said, you know, of course, Bonnaroo is a brand in and of itself, but some of the work that we're doing with brands, it's all based on that, pulling in the fans, letting the fans have a voice um, um, in the, the selection of music, and then delivering those fans really engaging content to, to make sure that they're getting something that they wouldn't otherwise get. Hmm. What, what are some of the things that, uh, you know, you, you guys would want to improve, you know, improve on, you know, and um, you know, just make it more, um, you know, I guess, I, you know, I guess more engaging, you know, for the, you know, kind of, cause there's a lot of other, um, you know, a lot of competition for what you guys do. And, you know, it's, uh, it's great what you guys do for, you know, for the fans and give them the opportunity to get in front of fans and things like that. What, what kind of things do you guys challenge yourselves with to make it, you know, more, uh, more engaging or, you know, kind of set yourselves apart from, you know, other, um, other, you know, similar platforms or, you know, similar, um, you know, uh, voting or, you know, band experiences like this? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I think a lot of what sets us apart is actually that, you know, our kind of um, core business has been in the, the matchmaking between bands and promoters. So I think that we focus on how we can better help our bands um, activate their fan network. So we have tools on Sonic Bids that helps, you mm. know, for example, you can update your status on Sonic Bids and push it to all your networks. And you can send auto updates when you book a gig on Sonic Bids that goes to all of your social networks. So we, we you know, what we feel like um, we've built and what we want to continue to improve on is those social tools that make it really easy for our bands to not only get the gig, but then get the fans to the gig. So um, that's real, really where we're trying to focus. Great, great. Uh, so some of the, uh, you know, there's been a lot of different stories and, you know, I really enjoy what you guys do on the, uh, on the blog, you know, and kind of tell the story, you know, it's, it's great to see somebody like yourselves, you know, putting context, you know, to the, to the meaning. Cause a lot of times what we do with live fix is really have an opportunity to, you know, not just review a show, but really put it, put it in context, you know, and things like that. And, you know, especially with a band like Aunt, uh, Aunt Martha, you know, and just some of the other bands that, um, you know, have uh, worked with you guys since then. What are what are some of your favorite stories? You know, from taking a band uh, from you know the Sonic Big ex- Experience and putting them into the live show. Like, what are some, what are some of your favorite bands that uh, maybe you've discovered or or had an you know, opportunity to see them live where you maybe otherwise wouldn't have that chance? Um. So the the band that sticks out the most to me, and I. I always reference this uh, this band, but uh, it's a band called the Jezebels, and they're out of Australia. Um, and they played our party at South by Southwest last year. And and their lead singer like might be the most amazing performer I've ever seen. And I just remember sitting there watching. You know, we're uh, I'm part of the team that actually you know 
helps find the bands and, and, you know, gets them on the stages at our South by Southwest party. And I just remember seeing this, this band get up and like mind blowingly good. In fact, my jaw was, was so dropped that someone came up to me after and they said, I guess you liked that performance because I think I was still just staring at the stage. Um, but it's just awesome to see that, you know, they're, they're actually, they're doing very well. They're very successful. Um, but it's a band that's come through Sonic Bids and, and applied to gigs on the site. And, um, you know, you, you see an experience like that and realize, like, this is a band that's from Australia playing a stage at, um, in Austin, and we were part of this. And it's, it's just amazing to see. Wow. What, what, was some, what, were, what was the, like, some of the specifics of what was going on on stage that, uh, that drew you in? Because I think I, I don't know if it was the same show, because I saw actually the Jezebels at South by Southwest, South by Southwest last year. And I don't know if it was the same. If we were watching the same show, that's kind of cool. You mentioned that. Uh, what, what what were some of the things that uh, were going on on stage that just that just drew you in about the band? You know, um, so it was at Maggie Mays. That's where our party is every year, and mm-hmm. we've had it. God, I think this was our fourth year that we did the party at Maggie Mays. Um, and they played this stage downstairs. So I don't know if you were there, but that's where it was. Yeah, that was um, just, yeah, that was the same show. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I was, you know, I'm always running around at our party because it's like, as I said, we're part of, I'm part of the team that's like kind of puts that together. So it was a moment of like actually standing down there, getting to watch, getting to watch the band and watching them perform. And I think it's, they were such amazing musicians, but more than anything else, their lead singer is just such an incredible performer. And, and she just, it, it captured you in a way that was so um, organic and natural and not in your face, but in a, like, I'm so good that you can't help but watch me. Um, and I'm, I'm a dancer. I've been a dancer since I was five years old. I perform with a modern dance company. So I think I've always appreciated the, the live performance part of, of seeing a band play because it's very similar to getting up as a dancer. Like, you just mm. transform. And here's this tiny little person. She's like a very petite woman that just absolutely owned that stage. And as a performer, I just really appreciated the fact that she was just owning everything about that stage so she really stood out to me oh that's amazing so you're uh you're you're a dancer and uh so you is that how you know we we usually ask fans this this question too is that everybody kind of sees live music through their own lens you know of who they are what they brought to the show and kind of what they're going through you know at that moment emotionally or just what they've experienced up until that moment in their life you know and things like that so do you uh do you usually see shows through that lens as a, as a performer? Is that something you just like naturally do? Or is it, you know, like a, you know, kind of like a, not necessarily a rating scale or something like that, but that's very interesting. You look at it as a, you are a performer, a dancer yourself. And, you know, is that part of your usual concert experience? Um, well, I think it is because, you know, I think that the thing about the live performance is that even if it's not like, a, a band that's, you know, your favorite genre of music or your favorite, um, um, like it, it's not maybe your thing, but I've always had an appreciation for the ability to get up and perform. So I think I've always been very open about what, what music I might see for that reason, because I can appreciate the performance quality of it. Um, and absolutely my, my background in dance has influenced my interest in, in the arts in general. So my connection to music has always just been in, you know, 
everything that you, you do in dance is with music. Um, and it just, you know, it completely changes the experience as a, you know, as a dancer, the right song just completely changes the whole experience as you're performing the right, you know, the right piece of music is just like transformative. Um, so yeah, I think I do, do see live performances through that lens and, and I appreciate the the performance quality that someone has and, and how much it takes to like to own a stage is a very, very difficult thing. You can ha- you can be the best musician in the world. It doesn't mean you're the best performer in the world. Um, so I think when that, when someone has that, that's like that X factor that it doesn't, it's not training. It's, that's like, it's, it's just something you have. It's an innate thing. And when you see it, you know it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I I I smell a whole nother show topic just uh, kind of uh, <laughs> evolving as you're as you're talking. That's uh, that's 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 very very interesting. Oh, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. So, with your uh, your favorite concert experiences, obviously you're a live music fan. Uh, what are what are some of your all time favorite uh, shows that you've uh, that you've been to? Um, one of them that I, when I was in college, um, I worked at a coffee shop and I was introduced to uh, my boss at the time used to just have, you know, CDs rotating through. Um, and, and I heard Martin Sexton, he's a folk singer. Um, I'd never heard him. Um, and then from there, I ended up going to see him in concert. I went to see him at the Portsmouth Music Hall. Um, one guy on a stage, again, owning the Portsmouth Music Hall is not a particularly large venue. Um, and I was sitting relatively close, but this, this man, like the voice on him was just so, so incredible. And he sings in falsetto and I have a, I like love falsetto. So that probably, um, had some influence too, but it, it was just awesome. Just this person that I never knew existed five years later, I'm, or I don't even know if it was five years. It might've been fewer than that. Seeing him perform on this stage, just, just awesome. And also as it relates to my Sonic Vids experience, makes you think about how many amazing musicians are out there who you may never hear, you may never know. So um, being part of something that allows you to get some of those artists heard is pretty, is pretty cool and unique. Um, yeah, so that's probably one that stands out to me. Oh, that's amazing. So we were, we were talking earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's the year of the hologram, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, amazing to see, you know, the whole Tupac thing. And we were kind of talking about that earlier with, uh, you know, some of your, your favorite shows. Um, uh, you mentioned you, if you had a chance to go, you would talk, you would see, uh, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, hologram. Uh, why, why, why would you pick Michael Jackson? I mean, it's probably an obvious choice, but again, I'll mention the dance thing. I think he's, I mean, I love, I love the music, but I also love the performance. I love, I love his dance. So it's, it's multiple layers for me. I'd love to just sit there and listen to all the music, but I'd love to watch him dance too. So did you ever have a chance to see him uh, before he died? Never, no. Oh, okay. So it'd be. Cause I find that's kind of one of the uh, the interesting caveats of, of, of a lot of the uh, the hologram people who love the hologram, you know, and, and are fascinated by it too, are some of the artists that they never had a chance to see, and then you know the hologram kind of gives you that that chance to uh, you know to re-experience that for the first time, I guess, in that in that way. 
I guess you never think about the fact that you may never have that opportunity. You know, it never, like, I've always liked Michael Jackson, I mean, forever, but it never occurs to you that you won't ever have the opportunity to actually see him perform. The fact that he died as, as early and as young as he did, um, well, it's pretty tragic. Uh, so you, so if, if the opportunity was, was given to you, it sounds like you would, you would like to choreograph uh, his dance in a hologram. <laughs> I know. I want to be in his dance. I don't yeah. want to choreograph. Or you want to be actually in it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to be showing me the moves. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this is uh, this is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for uh, for joining us. And uh, we definitely have to have you back and uh, talking a little bit more about the dance and uh, and everything. But uh, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to the Live Fix Podcast. Yes, you were just listening to uh, a couple great chats with uh, Tim and Darlene. I think uh, every time we do something like this, like a you know, different different show, we focus on something. I, I just love what people have to say about music. And it's, all, it's amazing how everyone has a live music experience. I mean, everyone does. Even people from, I mean, obviously she runs a, it helps run, and what, what's interesting to helps me is market, that I should we, say. We, we don't always get to see this in a lot of shows that we, you know, in, in a lot of the stuff, you know, things that we, you know, that, that, uh, that I read, but everybody sees the live music experience through different lens, and that's what's fascinating to me is to really study that lens of what people see, because got to talking with Darlene and then boom she talks about she's a dancer I'm like well that's pretty cool well how are you you know experiencing music through that perspective and I was amazed and that's what that's what's amazing about you just start talking to people about live music or we have engineers on you know I mean looking back at some of our shows Mm -hmm. we had the engineer who created the claw for you too you too right I mean he he experienced music very different than as half of our, our audience and and like a lot of our a lot of people are guests that have been on the show right because you, you you think you're going to a show and everybody will experience it the same way you do but what's unique about live music is that everybody's filtering it differently you you're, you're bringing it uh you know your own worldview your own perspective you know what you enjoy about life you know and, and the music gets filtered through that you know and everybody you know, and, and that's the part that I love celebrating because when you start to really understand the context of the concert through the people that you're experiencing it with, perfect, usually perfect strangers. You know, majority of the people you go to a concert with, you don't know. Uh, you know, so one of the things that's fascinating, we get to talking about people, things like Dar- you know, people like Darlene and Tim, you know, especially the bands when they're going on stage, you don't always get a chance to really ask them what exactly is going through your mind right now on the stage. You know, and that's that's what's interesting when uh, you know you don't know what the chemistry is. You know, as Tim starts to explain some of the things that the band is working on, you know, they 
haven't played together. You know, he plays a lot of creates a lot of his music by himself in a you know in a very isolated place, and then he takes that that isolated experience, and boom, he's on stage in front of perfect strangers, probably fans. You know, he's trying to make new fans, and he's got some fans, and you know, his brother does the uh, does the videos, so his brother's been at some shows. He's got all this amazing dynamic going and on. And I think sometimes know? the bands run the show. You know, they, they lead the show. They dictate and control the show and the audience and the, the fans. And I think sometimes the fans um, and the audience dictate the show. What you know, do you mean? And I think I think more so even at festivals, because there's so many fans, um, they can sometimes kind of run the show. Hmm. Yell out songs they want to hear, you know, um, and get involved in things outside of listening to the music. Sometimes they kind of run. I mean, we, how many concerts have we been to where, you know, the majority of the the audience is not even paying attention to the music? So they're controlling, I think, really what is happening sometimes. And there's those bands that are super controlling and they... You know, want all focus on them. No cameras. They right. give rules. They sh- you know throw rules out there. Sometimes they get on the stage and yell at people, tell them to be quiet. I mean, right. so there's just different types of or kick people out. Dave Grohl, you know, or kick people out. Stop fights, you know, or walk off the stage. To me, that's a very con- uh, this is probably the uh, most extreme way of controlling an audience. Either not showing up or walking off the stage. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I mean, huh. fans could leave a show, but one fan leaving or two fans leaving a, sh- a packed show isn't going to make a difference. Right. Um, one fan yelling. Way, you know, fans are way more passive today than I believe than they were in the past. Would you agree with that? I think it depends on what show you go to. I think it depends on what band you see. Yeah. Um, when we went to Megadeth to see them, yeah, um, at the uh, where was it at? That was Aragon? the Aragon Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the audience was running that show. Really, I felt the energy of the audience was. I mean, you you had to be very careful there. I think in some ways, um, you know. And then there's been some shows that I've gone to that um, it feels like the band is completely, you know, in control of everything. I think um, people who are in hip-hop do a really good job of controlling the audience. Look at Wu-Tang. We saw Wu-Tang. I mean, they basically ran out to the crowd and started yelling at people and throwing things at the audience. Do you think the band is controlling that, or do you think they're just... There was a sense of fear that they were putting out there to some extent. you know. Um, And uh, what's the other band that we saw at Pitchfork? It yeah. was throwing things on stage and yelling and cussing and odd future. Odd future. I mean, right. they try to control their audience. I think in some ways by what they tell them to do. Now, no, but I think the audience, future, though, the audience was, wants that. I think at a certain level, they're paying to be controlled. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, like maybe. people in a bad relationship sometimes, right? It's like they like to be abused or they like to be, you know, kind of taken advantage of in that in that way. Do you think? that dynamic plays plays out in a concert experience with bands and fans and I think you know they kind of like they've paid money for entertainment right they paid money to be controlled I think that if they yes sometimes you know I think there are fans I, I believe you're you're right there are fans that sit there in the audience and listen to a band and want the band to control the audience so that they feel safe hmm. you know and then there are the other 
the shows that you go to where the, the fans want it to be out of control. That's part of the experience for them. <laughs> they, and I think if you they, go to see Odd Future, you want to see a band that's out of control. You're paying for I mean, chaos. They're throwing things on stage. <laughs> I mean, when I was there, there were people catapulting over the fence. There was fighting going on right next to me. Two women were fighting. Uh-huh. I mean, and there was a lot of yelling back and forth from the audience to the, the musician. And, and so I think, yes, I mean, I think there are fans that go to shows just to, to get that. Hmm. You know, and... Um, and if they if that doesn't happen, I think what's interesting is you, you know you and you know if you look at like punk rock, I think punk rock fans are one some of the most fascinating fans to kind of study, and especially punk rock concerts. That if something isn't happening, we were watching that one movie I think it was called uh, uh, about the uh, the germs, um, the uh, what we do is in, what we do in secret, what we do is secret, and there's a couple great scenes in that movie. That are about you know the live music experience and they're in there and the guy during the show he cut himself you know the lead singer he cut himself and he did that once it was very spontaneous and fans kept coming to the show and they showed scenes and they showed you know some of the things that the fans kind of came to that show for expectations in future shows and you hear you and the fans started yelling cut yourself cut yourself you know he like they wanted that they wanted to you know they come there with these expectations you know because the band wants to you know control them they do at a certain level but in that case you know the uh the fans are controlling that and and i think the audience to some extent is trained i mean they're going to a show where someone is doing something on stage what is state what does the stage mean stage means where someone performs someone acts someone you know i mean there there's a reason why they put a stage in the middle of the the venue and you're supposed to look at it and watch what people do. I mean, stages go back to Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, there's this concept, I think we're trained that the person on stage is like who we're going to stare at and who are, are going to en- entertain us, like a jester, basically. And I sometimes think that that is, you're right, there's that expectation that you are going to be entertained. And sometimes just singing is not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that's you know what Darlene was getting at too. I think in her expo, you know, her kind of you know explaining how good performers are, you know, good great musicians. Or it's not it's not good enough to be just a great musician. You have to be a great performer. You know, you have to have that, like you said, X factor. You know, in there and saying, okay, we're gonna do more than just play music. You know, I'm gonna give you a show. I'm gonna lay a bit of my my soul out on the stage. So you can see it, and you know you can experience that. You know I think that's that's kind of an intangible thing, and that's something that I think you know fans they can sense that, right, in the uh, you know in the show. So kind of an interesting concept that uh, you know to look at who is really controlling who, you know, and how, and some of the best artists they have an innate ability to control the audience and take it, take the show, take the fans where they want to, you know at I think in the past, and and I don't know, maybe this is still the case now, but I think in the past, when you look at, you know, we brought Bob Dylan up once in the podcast, I'll bring him up again. You know, his words were powerful enough that he controlled the audience. Um, I don't know that we had, with words, just words. And and maybe it was the time that he, you know, he was introduced to um, the world, to his fans. Um, the time frame, I and mean, there was a lot of political things going on, a lot of things that were going on during that time frame, a lot of history that was being created. 
I don't know that we, we see that as much now. I do think that, um, again, some of the hip hop is pretty raw and it, and it can, um, evoke a lot of emotion and can be very powerful. Um, but I think a lot of our pop stuff, it's not as powerful, hmm. you know, and maybe in, in some ways, um, I think it's feel good music, but I don't know how powerful, but maybe for someone could powerful, argue powerful in what way powerful and just the way that they're spoken and, and the way they use the words. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know some of the, I think some of the pop music these days can do that. I just think it is not, you're not going to find it in pop music, the powerful lyrics, the powerful words. Really? I think you, I think you have to look other, other places. I think, Pop music, a lot of it is to feel good music, bubblegum music, what mm. they would call, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. So you can't have a powerful music. experience in a bubblegum concert? I think like, you, have, like you can the, have a powerful experience, but I don't know that the words are going to control you, keep you occupied, keep you controlled. Mm. Um, more visual, more what you're saying. Like in the last show, we had the moms talking about, you know, you, you pointed out that it was all about the visuals. Very few, if any of the moms that we talked to, said anything really about the lyrics. The lyrics or the music, you know, it was about the visual aspect of of going there. That's what they remembered, you know. And I think that's. But and I, I would say I, that's I would true say, about I, pop music. I mean, yeah. most of it is it's a great show. It's a feel good place where you can go with your family and friends, um, you know. But it's not necessarily a place where you're going to be. You're going to leave there feeling like, wow, that person blew me out of the water as far as their lyrics. Lyric. So, You're talking I mean, just lyrics. I'm talking specifically lyrics. Now, I'm open to an argument. You know, if there's someone like would, would like to call in yeah, um, on our call line, live fix call line, um, you know, if you'd like to call in or even shoot us a, uh, a Twitter message, we have a live fix Twitter or um, go on to our website and you know post some comments. Um, we both have. We also have a live fixed Facebook. So I mean, I'm open to that argument. I just I don't see it. I just see that that the words. Um, I think some, you have to go to specific types of shows to really get the lyrics um, that speak to you. You know, or even go to certain sites. You know, like Sonic Bids or some other sites where you can find up-and-coming lyrics. Um, one of the bands I really like that we've seen live um, that I feel lyrics are, are pretty awesome is Bon Iver. Now, some people may argue... People are tuned into the lyrics on him, more so. I think... I mean, I think so. Um, you know, I don't think he has pop music. I mean, if you listen to some of his lyrics, they're pretty serious, pretty intentional. Um, you know, you go back to kind of Ani DeFranco... A lot of her stuff, you know, she's very, um, her, her words, um, are very powerful. Mm -hmm. A lot of her words are politically based. Um, there was a lot of issues that she had with President Bush. They were in her lyrics. Um, I, I just think that we... Well, that's kind of interesting. I think that's a whole other topic that we could look into, too, is just to see what are some of people's most, you know... Uh, you know, uh, memorable concert experiences that are lyrical based versus the music itself, because we're entering to an age now where electronic music is taking over. You know, and people are having very tribal, communal experiences that are not lyric based. 
I mean, you're a Grateful Dead, uh, big Grateful Dead fan, and I would va- I would uh, wager a large sum of money that uh, much of the essence of a Grateful Dead concert is not necessarily lyrical, or is it? Uh, I would say that you're in some ways wrong about that. I mean, their lyrics are very powerful. If you read their lyrics, most of their lyrics. But during mean the a actual show. Too. I would say there's there's more. I would say that the lyrics are not the number one, um, the number one factor that's sort of controlling their audience. I don't think that honestly. I think at Grateful Dead concerts, the the audience controlled the shows, mm-hmm. and I think that's what made them so powerful. Um, the Grateful Dead gave the show over gave to the it fans. to the fans, and the fans came knowing they were going to be part of the show. Mm. And I think that's what made them so big in a lot of ways, especially when the band started getting older and aging and didn't have the energy and the momentum and the political movement and the whatever moved them, whatever drove them. They didn't have that anymore. Right. And so I think when you saw them, I mean, I saw their last show when Jerry barely could remember all the lyrics Mm -hmm. and it was a powerful show and it wasn't because they were controlling it, the band. From my perspective, it seemed like the audience was controlling the band. See, what's interesting, too, you know, we're talking about new bands. We're talking about bands that are playing events like Bonnaroo that, you know, are are really stages for, you know, bands who really haven't developed their live show uh, to an extent. And they're playing before fairly large crowds, you know, and you got all these emotions going on. You got some fear. You got excitement. You know, a lot of that's based on you know, learning some of those audience dynamics. And I think this is an interesting conversation to kind of explore a little bit because I think sometimes, you know, as we've talked to more artists, you know, about how they develop in that as a, you know, as, as a performer, that becoming more comfortable with realizing the fact that, you know, once you give the crowd the control that they're looking for, then that's when you're able to feed off of that and you can kind of sense that and you have that connection and that in turn feeds back into the actual musical musical performance, you know? And I think, you know, when I look at bands who are fresh, you know, or kind of green and, you know, learning themselves, learning themselves as a band, the stage dynamics, things like that, and you look at more mature bands, you can clearly see that those bands have kind of become comfortable. But then again, you get, you know, you get other bands that, you know, people go to watch a train wreck, you know? They go to, you know, they want to see the artists, like, break down on stage, you know, or you're kind of there to experience things so there's all different types of dynamic you know dynamics so i think this is uh pretty pretty interesting to look at so yeah so we do have this this uh we've got a concert fan hotline so we've been talking about a lot of stuff um all things that are definitely going to be going on at bonnaroo uh this weekend so if you guys are out there you're listening to this show and you got a bonnaroo story you're an artist out there first time you're one of you know one of these other sonic big art sonic bit artists um some of the ones that are playing actually are uh, Water Knot and Rolling in the Hay are the two bands that won this year. So you guys are in Aunt Martha's seat, uh, you know, like Aunt Martha was last year. You guys are playing for the first time at Bonnaroo. Uh, so congratulations. Um, but if you're a band playing Bonnaroo, you're a fan out there experiencing, you know, the uh, the whole show, let us know. Give us a buzz. It's uh, 773-609-4341. And we will include, you know, your your show, um, you know, Bonnaroo experience in one of our episodes. And please tweet us. Yeah. And if you're getting married We'd at Bonnaroo to... this weekend, we want to hear 
We want to. We'd hear. like to hear what the how you made that decision. Yeah, <laughs> Abs- that's what I'd abs- like to know. Abs- you know, absolutely. So one of the cool things we're gonna wrap up this show, and uh, but one of the one of the interesting things that I wanted to kind of talk about real quickly was the the aspect of. We've been doing all these, you know, battle of the bands, you know, are the bands good, you know, is it good for the bands, is it good for the fans, who's really winning, who's giving back? Is it good for the brands? For the brands, That's right? you should be asking, all is this, it, you know, right. good right. for the Right, is it good brands? for the fans, bands, the brands, right? Who's, who's, who's really winning out, you know, in that, in that aspect? So, during my chat with, uh, with Darlene, we mentioned about the fact that they're giving back to some of the uh, you know the festivities that are going on at Bonnaroo. So last year, Sonic Big gave back $27,000 to the Bonnaroo's work fund. So there was a portion. So when bands sign up on Sonic Bids, they have to give 10 bucks, uh, And I believe that's, you know, it might fluctuate a little bit. But they have, the bands have to pay. So what, Bonnaroo, what, what Sonic Bids does, uh, does each year is give, they give back. So last year they gave $27,000 back to Bonnaroo Works Fund. Which you know helps to uh, put on the show and gives to the you know that local charity that they're working with. So, pretty cool stuff. I think that's you know that's a good thing to mention. You know, and then kind of continue to you know really examine how these battle of the bands thing because you they're they're all over the place. You know, Billboard puts them on battle of the bands. Uh, you know, and some of these guys they put on these shows and they just you know they get the bands money, they promote a little bit, and they take off with their money. You know, and there's some of these bands that are just. They're just there to promote, and they're really not there to get back to the community or get back to the fans or really give fans that really, you know, interactive, innovative experience. So we're going to keep an eye on that. But, again, thanks to Darlene and Tim and the band uh, and Martha, Sonic Bids. Awesome to share your stories. Again, you're out of Bonnaroo. Go check it out. Um, tell us, you know, share your, uh, share your stories. All the show notes and all the links of uh, learn more about um, Sonic Bids on uh, livefixblog.com we'll have all the show notes again thank you for uh, thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys later quiet old house by the interstate I should go sell my things out of my front yard get a brand new look play a brand new car you should know